John chapter 12 and verse number 1, please. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus, which was, which had, which, okay, I'll get it, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a, a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing, has she kept this? For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. There is a supper, and Jesus is there, and there's a crowd of people around him. These people at the supper tonight, this morning, I'm going to talk to you about them and bring them out and describe who they were and what they meant and why they were at this supper. But the question I'm going to ask you is this, which are you at this supper? Which one are you? There's always, you know, around Jesus, wherever he was, there was always a crowd of different kinds of people, folks who loved him. Folks who hated him. Folks who wanted to listen to what he had to say and folks who didn't pay attention. And so in that crowd at this supper, then I find it's the same crowd that's around Jesus now. So we're going to look at this this morning. Let us pray and we'll get right to it. Our Heavenly Father, I pray now and ask that you will direct and guide our hearing. Holy Spirit of God, my desire again is to be a help, a blessing. I pray that this time, this service is just that. And that for each person today, God, you'll give us what we need. And thank you, Lord, that by faith in Christ, we'll never get what we deserve. So God, direct in every word and thought we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. If you will look and keep your Bibles open this morning there at the city of Bethany, Lazarus was there, the Bible says in verse 1, which had been dead, whom you raised from the dead. Then in verse 2, it says they made him a supper. And at the supper was Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And it would seem, because you, if you know your Bibles, you know that they lived there. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived in the city of Bethany. But in truth, they're at Simon the leper's house. Mark chapter 14 tells us this. And Simon the leper was a man Jesus had healed of the disease of leprosy. Mary and Martha heard that Jesus was in town. They came over to the house and they're, they're helping to serve the meal there. So there is Simon the leper that Jesus healed. There's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus, Jesus had raised from the dead. Down a few verses you read where they came, the opposition, the Jewish opposition, the religious leaders came, and their desire was to come because they had talked about putting Lazarus to death, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And you know what's interesting? Is people hadn't gotten enough sense to realize that if Jesus raised someone from the dead and then you want to put him to death, 
Can I define stupid for you? But the enemy was there. Judas Iscariot is there, one of the disciples. The rest are there, no doubt, but only Judas is mentioned. Then there's another part of the crowd, and they were just there to see what was going on. They'd heard about this guy Lazarus, who had been dead four days, who was raised from the dead. And they'd heard about Jesus, so they just, they're kind of onlookers. So let's set it again. Look at me. We have Simon, the leper, Jesus had healed. We have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary and Martha were Lazarus' sisters, and they were, they were there because Jesus had raised their brother from the dead. I don't know how Lazarus, how, too, how excited he might have been. You say, well, he was raised from the dead. No, the man was in heaven and had to come back. <laughs> you hear these people talk this, tell the story. Well, I died and I went to heaven and then I saw Uncle Joe and Aunt Mary and uh, Jesus and then they told me I had to go back, so I came back. I'm thinking, no, uh No, I'm getting over there. There ain't enough angels in heaven to shove me down that tube and get me back over here. There's no way. I'm on the other side. I'm staying over there. Somebody else can go back and tell people about how it was. So Lazarus came back, and okay, I I get that part. And then Judas Iscariot is there. We know Judas. He's going to betray Jesus for the price of a crippled slave, 30 pieces of silver. And then there's the curious crowd. You know what, people? Listen to me. At this supper where Jesus was, and this mixed crowd of folks that were there, they're here this morning. They're, they're in this room. Wow. 2,000 years later, they're still the same kind of crowd that was around Jesus then that's around what's going on now here at church. Which, which one would you be? Would you be Simon the leper? You say, well, I didn't have leprosy. I know that. But Simon had a disease for which there was no cure. As a death sentence. We were in India preaching several years ago, and uh, the missionary's place where we stayed, it was a compound with a wall around it. And every morning, a man would come very early, um, and he would sweep the area and pick up trash and things, and the missionary would give him a couple of dollars. And I was out there one morning very early and reading my Bible, and I saw him. The next morning, I saw him again, and I said, asked the missionary, I said, Pastor, what's this gentleman? He said, well, he's a, he's a leper. He lives in the rubber plantation right next to us in a little shed over there. His family doesn't want anything to do with him because he's got leprosy and he's just there every day and every day he comes over here and I give him a few dollars and it helps him to buy enough to eat for that day. The next morning I saw him coming again. We had a few cheese cracker snacks and things and I went over to him and I couldn't speak to him. I didn't speak his language, but I held those crackers out like that and he turned his head away. When he swept, he held palm fronds in his hands instead of holding them with his hands, he held him with the palms of his hands because his fingers were eaten off and his ears and part of his nose. And He didn't want me to touch him. So he just sort of pointed with his hand like this to the, to the little step there and I put the cheese crackers down and he nodded in appreciation and put them in a little garment he had on him and he went on sweeping about. He's a, he's a walking dead man. That was Simon. Well, by the way, Simon was a Pharisee. Religious of the religious crowd. Jesus not only gave him his life back, but delivered him from a religion that was taking him to hell. Is that you? Jesus gave you your life. 
any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We have this disease. You know, leprosy in the Bible is a type of sin. We have that in our lives. You know, we have the disease that is slowly eating away at our lives and would take us to hell when we die. And then in a moment of simple repentance and faith, we turn to Christ, accept him as our personal savior, and we are, free, we are made clean in the sight of God and delivered from what could have happened to us. Are you Simon the leper this morning? Do you realize what Jesus did for you? What our brother sang about this morning? See, here's what happens to us. Those who are saved, who know Christ as their Savior. After we've been down the road of grace for a while, we forget what he saved us from. We forget what he saved us for, and we forget what he saved us from, what we could have been. Because remember, salvation not only saved you from what you were, it saved you from what you could have become one day in your life. My dad was a Baptist preacher when I was a year old in my mother's arms on the front row of the church. He went to the back door and instead of meeting us there to shake our hands and the church people, he met a woman and they ran off together. My mother turned to drink and became a drunkard and I lived in a drunkard's home as a boy. My mother remarried and she married a man who was a drunk and a bartender. And I lived a horrible childhood. And before you think this is an Oprah session this morning, just stay with me for a moment. When I was a nine-year-old boy, I sat in Sunday school for the first time, and someone told me that God loved me. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I was amazed that God loved me. Now listen to me, listen to me. I know a lot of people have a tough childhood and they're mad at God about it and they're mad at him and they're mad at people and they're mad at life. That didn't even faze me, ladies and gentlemen. I was just overcome by the fact that God loved me. You want to know something? I was nine years old when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm 66 years old, turned 66 this week on September the 12th. You're not writing that down. I said, I turned this week, 66 on September the 12th. People say, you talk about your birthday everywhere you go. Why do you do that? Because I get prison, stupid. What do you think? I mean, it's really simple. It ain't, it ain't rocket science, Jack. I mean, let's be here. I got saved for two reasons. Number one, because God loves me. 50 plus years later, I'm still amazed that God loves me. Don't want to get over it. Don't need to get over it. Sorry, but it's not so-so salvation. It's so great salvation to me. Because see, when God saved me, ladies and gentlemen, he not only saved me from what I was as a boy and that life, he saved me from what I would have become one day, growing up in a drunkard's home and living in that life and that kind of stuff. God saved me from that. Are you Simon the leper this morning? Well, see, then the people of God should never get weary of singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. We're not going to mumble the hymns. We're not going to go through the motions. Well, I've sung that so many times. Yeah, I know, but it's still amazing grace to me. It's still amazing. It's still amazing to me. It's still amazing that God loves me. It's still amazing that I have salvation. Are you Simon the leper this morning? How about this? Are you that Mary, Martha, Lazarus crowd? Look at verse number three. It tells us here in this verse, Verse 2, excuse me. And there they made him a supper and Martha served. Do you see that? Why was Martha serving at a house that wasn't even hers? Because Jesus was there. Martha just had an opportunity to do something for Jesus. 
And she thought, you know, he raised my brother from the dead. They had stood at that grave for four days and wept because their brother had died. And Jesus came and only like Jesus could do, broke up a funeral. A beautiful grieving process. And there's, there's Martha. And you know what? Martha just wanted to do something in thanks to Jesus for her, what he'd done for her in her life. What he'd done for, listen, what he had done for their family. Can, can I ask you a question? Doing something for the Lord in your life. Are you doing him a favor or is he doing you a favor? Some people, they serve the Lord and they act like they're doing God a favor because they show up at church on a Sunday morning and go home. Excuse me, excuse me. You're being obedient, but that's not serving God. Serving God is not going to church. That's obedience. Serving God is finding a place and a purpose for why you're here. Figure out what that is. You see, God gives every Christian spiritual gifts. And did you know that those spiritual gifts were given you not as a present to hold on to, like you're going to send me on September 12th because now you know when my birthday is. I'll give you the address afterwards. The truth of the matter is that he didn't give you a spiritual gift to display them. We got all these religions today. I have this gift. I have that gift. Like it's a badge. That's not what it's for. 1 Corinthians 12 says he gave you that gift to put you in a church so the church can do its job better because you're there. You're God's gift to this church. That means everybody's supposed to be in church to serve and to find something to do. That's what Martha was there for. Martha said, Jesus is in town. It's not even my house. I'll go over there and serve him a, serve him a meal just to do something for him. We came in today and he had men out here greeting folks. One of the brothers came up and introduced himself. I'm a greeter here in this church. And I thought, yes, that's right. We're here to do something. We're here to give something. We're here to participate in some way and serve and help out. That was Martha. See, he, Jesus had done so much for, his, for her family. Then there's Lazarus. The Bible says in verse 2, he sat at the table with him. Huh. So G- Jesus is there. Martha's serving, and Lazarus, he just wants to be with Jesus. That's not bad motivation, by the way. Just wants to be with Jesus. We, we treat the Lord like, like a, you know, a fireman or an emergency tech type person. You only call him when you need him. Whenever there's something, you know, there, ladies and gentlemen, look here, look here. There's something about fellowship with God that has to do with his desire to be with you and then your desire to be with him. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with asking for what you need. Jesus, the Bible says you have not because you, you ask not. But sometimes I think we got the gimme, gimme Christianity. You know, the, the, we call them the blab it and grab it guys out there, the, the prosperity boys, say it and pay it. You just say the prayer, Jabez, and God will give you a Cadillac. I mean, how dumb can people be? <laughs> Seriously? Do you really think just because you want something, God will give it to you? Oh, if he did, there'd be dead people all down to 85 over here. <laughs> I'm from California. Now, you North Carolinians, you, y'all drive a little better than those guys. I was in Virginia a couple weeks ago. Yeah, come on. I wish death on half of Virginia. I mean, uh, <laughs> they're so nice and courteous. You put on a turn signal, they'll even let you move, change lanes. In California, that's not how it works. You put your turn signal on in California, the guy in the passenger seat gets his Glock out, leans out the window, fires off five rounds. If he doesn't kill the other driver, then he knows he'll let you in. That's kind of how it works. 
if God gave me everything I ever wanted just because I wanted it, there'd be dead people burning wreckage on the side of highways because people won't get out of the way when you want to pass them. Don't even get me on Oregon and Washington. That's a whole other part of America. Those people are crazy. Just because you want it, that's what we want. We want a Christianity that gives me what I want. That's why the biggest churches in America today are gimme churches. Cost you nothing, get you nothing, and give you everything you ever want kind of stuff. God is not foolish enough, ladies and gentlemen, to give you something just because you want it. But how about this principle? How about the fact, here sits a man, Lazarus, who just wanted to be with Jesus. That's all. How about that one? How about that in your Christian life? You get out of bed in the morning, and before you think about anything else, get on anything else, chase anything else, pick up your telephone, check your, your internet to find out your social media page to find out how many mystery friends you happen to have from last night, and who liked the fact that you went over here to Piggly Wiggly and went to a market somewhere. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. Come on. People live on this stupid thing. They just live constantly. And that's all we do. We just pursue man-to-man stuff. We're all concerned about the horizontal things of life and forget that we got the God in heaven who's waiting on us, just like back in Eden when he used to walk in the garden in the cool of the day, he's still waiting on us. How about a desire just to be with him and sit at the table? That's why your life is so messed up. You got too much cotton-picking drama. You're all caught up in drama. And now with social media, you get to be involved in everybody's drama. Everybody's involved in everybody's everything about everything. You know, my, my people from Oklahoma, we call them Okies. My Okie people had an expression, ignorance is bliss, get happy. I never thought I'd live to the day where I look forward to two gossips standing in the back of the church gossiping to each other. Now it doesn't work like that. You say, boop, and it's in Germany next week. And then we got people who talk to their watch. See that right there? $52 stainless steel Seiko watch. See that? Tells me what time it is. Tells me what day of the week it is. Tells me what the date is. Now, I know you got those watches that tells you if your heart's beating. (laughs) Which, if you think about it, when your heart stops beating, it ain't going to do you no good. (laughs) Because you're dead. Now, you can check the migrating herds from Tanzania on the migration. You can know how the wildebeest are doing. I got that part. And you can email and you can check and text and everything else. And we got all that kind of stuff. Good night, you can't even go to the bathroom without the stinking thing on. You know, it's amazing to me, ladies and gentlemen, there's something seriously wrong with this when we don't want to just sit at the table with Jesus. I know, I know. You say, well, you're from California. They go, I know that. You see people walking around all the time on their phone constantly, walking across the street looking at their phone. Think, dude, you want to be a hood ornament? Are you crazy? Can't even put it down long enough. I'll sit on an airplane the other day, guy's talking on his phone. Yeah, and it's loud. Yeah, well, you get the invoice out, and then we'll look it up when I get to the warehouse later. He's talking that loud. About two minutes into it, I leaned over, I tapped my arm, and I go, bro, bro. He goes, yeah, just a minute, what? I go, you can hang up. Wherever they are, they can hear you. (laughs) They could be in Dallas, bro. They can hear you. Seriously. He goes, yeah, whatever. 
You know, then they would do the head thing, whatever. <laughs> Went back to talking on his telephone. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then look at me. Now we wonder why we're all stressed out, depressed, worried, concerned. Why don't you go sit at the table with Jesus for a while? Well, I don't know. Hey, did he raise you from the dead too? Dead in trespasses and sins? You trusted Christ? He raised you from the dead too. Yes, he did. Then there's Mary. She, in this next verse over here, here's Mary. She takes a, a pound of ointment. You know, that same ointment is very rare even to this day. In this day, that ointment is worth about $70,000. In her day, it was two years of income. She takes a pound of ointment, pours it out on Jesus' feet, and wipes his hair, wipe, excuse me, wipes, her, wipes his feet with her hair. And the room is filled with the odor. Are you, are you married this day today, and do you, you just want to do something for him? We've lost that somewhere along the way, I think, for some people. They, they forgot, you got too busy with, you know, who you liked or didn't like and who you get along with and didn't get along with, and you went to this church and that church, and I was telling the folks in the other class this morning, driving over here from the hotel, I counted six Baptist churches. Y'all got tons of churches out here. Most of those churches are just people going mad at somebody and going somewhere else and getting mad at someone going somewhere else and getting mad and going somewhere else stuff. Can I ask you a question? When are we going to get off that? And when are we, look at me. When are we going to just do something for Jesus? How about that? Just, just to do something for Jesus. That's all. No other pure motivation than just do something for Jesus. Well, the pastor talked about so-and-so's birthday. He missed my birthday. And then there was, he talked about, nobody talked about me. No one said anything about me. No one talked about me. I, my baby was in the nursery and got bit by some kid. Okay, first of all, feed your kids before you bring them to church, all right? Please, <laughs> let's not cannibalize each other in the nursery. That would be, and I'm sorry, you want to, somebody got your binky, your kid's binky, and it, it, I've been in the ministry for 40 years, preacher, and I tell you, it's the petty stuff that wears preachers out. But it's the petty stuff that takes Christians out. How about this one? I just want to do something for Jesus. And if somebody notices, that's fine. And if someone doesn't, that's fine. That's Mary. She takes two years plus of salary just to pour a little oil on his feet and because he's, he's six days from Calvary. She knows what's coming and she just wanted to do something for him before he left this life. She didn't know much about the resurrection. She didn't know he would rise from the dead. All she wanted to do was just do something for Jesus. And you say, well, it was humiliating. Oh, you mean to get on her knees and wipe his feet with her hair and that kind of stuff. Oh, so is there anything that's beneath you that, that you just feel like, well, I wouldn't do that because that's kind of demeaning to my, to I am it. Do I am and what I do? Not Mary. She just wanted to do something for Jesus. Very quickly, please. Look, then there is, I want you to look in your Bibles with me this morning. Verse 4, please. It says, then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. Look at those next two words. Simon's son. Simon the leper was his dad. We know Judas. He betrayed Jesus for the price of a crippled slave. People, listen to me. Judas was a disciple, went everywhere the disciples went, did everything the disciples did. 
and he wound up in hell. Now, very carefully, he did not lose his salvation. He never had it. Judas missed everything. Look at me. He missed it all. He was at the tomb when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. He was there. Did he unwrap the grave clothes and let him loose? I don't know. Hey, hey, Judas was a good church going, church attending. He's the treasurer of the disciple group. Remember when Jesus will say now, he'll, a little bit later on here, he'll say at the last supper together, he'll say, one of you is going to betray me. Everyone jumped up and said, it's Judas. They all knew it, wasn't it? Uh-uh. They all said, is it me? Is it me? Uh-oh. Remember the last guy that came? It was Judas. And Judas knew he had already betrayed Jesus, already set the price. And Judas looked at Jesus and said, is it me? Now, I want to say this very carefully, but I want you to look at this preacher this morning. It is very possible, but never necessary for a good church-going Christian to wind up in hell. Well, now you're making me nervous, Pastor Johnson. Nothing should shake you. you. It should be like this for you. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I'm not trying to shake your testimony at all this morning. I'm trying to get you to check your testimony because I assure you if that man could stand that close to Jesus and spend three and a half years that close to Jesus and wind up in hell, so could you. The difference is not what you do for the Lord. Do you check your testimony by what you do? Well, I must be a Christian, I go to church. Well, I must be a Christian, I read my Bible. I must be a Christian, I love the Lord. I must, excuse me, you're not a Christian because of what you do. You're not a Christian because of what you've done. You're a Christian because you know the one that you say, you know Jesus as your personal Savior. There is a clear, listen now, there is a clear, simple, definite testimony where you, at some moment in your life, realized you were lost, that Jesus Christ, because of sin, that Jesus Christ died for you and paid for your sins full, free, and clear. And understanding that, listen, and only understanding that you trusted Christ and no one or nothing else, not Jesus in baptism, not Jesus in good works, not Jesus in living it right, not Jesus in hold out faithful to the end, not Jesus and nothing, Jesus and nothing, Jesus, period. You simply, at that moment, understanding what that meant, you simply trusted Christ and got saved. Then you have salvation, my friend, because the Bible says you have salvation. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to be that certain, so certain you could die and go into eternity with no fear of eternity because you know Christ. But if that clear testimony is not there, then this morning you need to settle up with God. Because if Judas could wind up in hell, so could you. Because Judas... Listen, Judas was around Jesus, but he didn't know him. Jesus said, in that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done mighty works in your name and prophesied in your name and cast out devils in your name? Good works, good works, good works. And Jesus says, okay, that's good enough. Close enough. Uh-uh. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And then he makes this statement. I never knew you. 
See, relationship is two-sided. God's side, my side. I know a lot of people, they're very happy with their side. I'm spiritual. I'm this. I'm that. I'm sure I've settled it. I got it. My daddy was a preacher. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, you're settling for your side of the relationship. How about his side? Does he know you? The Bible said, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And he wants you to know that. See, he wants you to be assured and certain of it. And the reason maybe this morning, I'm pressing this point, the reason maybe this morning is because he's not letting you be sure because it's not settled and you need to nail it down. You need to settle that thing. Hey, good God-fearing, church-going people can wind up in the same hell everybody else can. Judas missed it all. One more thing and we're out of here. Then there's this curious crowd. They came to see Jesus. Frankly, they were there to see Lazarus more than Jesus. In other words, they're, look, they're there to see what's going on. You know, they're curiosity people. They just want to see what's happening. They heard this guy got raised from the dead. He's, he's at a dinner over here. Let's go see this guy. Oh, and you know what? We heard the guy who raised him is actually there. Let's go see him too. Curiosity seekers. Churches are filled with people who are curious. For whatever reason you're here, we're glad you're here. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> There's a couple that came to our church for a while, and about two weeks, and I went by to visit them, and I asked the man, I said, sir, do you have you know, Christ as your Savior? He goes, oh, absolutely. He gives me a clear testimony. I said, how about you, man? She goes, oh, no way. I don't believe any of that stuff. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe in God, heaven, hell, none of it. She goes, I'm not an atheist, but I don't believe any of that. So I tried to tell her about salvation in Christ and stuff. She goes, eh, I ain't buying it. Next Sunday, she's sitting there with her husband. I thought, well, maybe she'll get saved today. So I preached. Nope. They came for like two months. Sit right here, second row. So I went back to visit them again. I said, well, it should be good to have you. I said, ma'am, have you settled this thing with God? She goes, oh, no way. And I said, well, no way, no way. She goes, yeah, nothing's changed. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe any of that stuff. I go, hmm. So can I ask you a question? Why are you still coming? I mean, I'm glad you're here, and I hope you keep coming, but why do you come? She goes, I just like the way you say it. She goes, I go to one of them liberal churches over there. I got a woman pastor. She goes, that's so boring. I can't hardly stay awake in that place. She goes, I ain't sleeping on you. Let me tell you that right now. She goes, so I'm just there to listen. I said, well, I'm glad you're here to listen, ma'am. But I sure wish you'd trust Christ and get saved. Yeah. She goes, I don't believe any of it. You know what I find in 40 years of preaching? There's more of that in our churches than we realize. Hey, hey, people are just smarter than God. So you're trying to insult me. Okay, let me try harder. <laughs> See, again, we're glad you're here. I don't care why you're here. But my friend, spectators wind up with Judas, and that's not a good prospect. Because whether you want to sit around and debate, well, I'm not so sure in the existence of God. Really? I'm sure he's disappointed. I sit next to people on airplanes, they see my Bible. Oh, you're, you're a man of faith. And I said, well, yeah, I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor too. This one guy was an atheist. He goes, well, I'm an atheist. I go, uh-uh. He goes, what? I go, no, you can't be. I said, sir, we're at 36,000 feet. We're flying to Dallas, Texas. You're going to Florida. I'm going to, I don't know where I was going. And I said, there's 230 people on this airplane, and you're sitting next to a Baptist preacher with a Bible? Come on. 
If that ain't God, I don't know what is, pal. This lady behind me goes, amen. <laughs> no, don't waste God's time saying, if God approved to me, exist. oh, give me a break. Seriously. Why don't we stop being onlookers and get in on this thing? But the curiosity seeker also applies to people who just go to church to sit and listen and get up and go home. That's not what we're here for. Now, again, we're glad you're here. You come once a week, show up, get up and get out and walk out of here. We're glad you're here. I'm thankful that you're present, okay? But is that it? We're just looking? Who are you at the supper? 